Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, you asked the question, and I want to say thank you for such an easy question. Why do bad things happen, especially to good people? That question has caused many to proclaim themselves to be an atheist. Because, you know, the Bible teaches this kind, loving, compassionate God, and that's the God of the Bible, but I don't see it here. And so they can conclude that the Bible obviously is not true either. So you have two options. They say either God is, you know, all good and and not all powerful, or he's all powerful and just not all good. They They can't really resolve the issue. And, and to them, the, the two cannot go together. And so when they ask us, explain to me how a good God can allow bad things out. You know what we do? We kind of back up. And we're like, oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Ever been in one of those seasons that your life is falling apart and you just can't figure out why? Like, why is this happening? You know, sometimes we face challenges in our life, and if we're completely honest, we say, well, I know why this is happening. I made a really foolish decision. You know, in the midst of all my uh, stupidity, I, I made a decision, and now I'm suffering the consequences. So we get that, right? We understand that. But then there are those other times when bad things happen to us for no good reason. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, you've been behaving, you've been doing all the right things. You're trying to live the way God wants you to live. You're obeying what the Lord wants you to do. You're reading your Bible, you're doing what the Bible says, you're praying. And then out of nowhere, boom, something happens. In the Bible, there's, there's a collection of books. It's often referred to as wisdom literature. It's the books of wisdom, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And when you read through the book of Proverbs, you will learn that God is a very wise and just God. We learn that God has order in in this world, and and the just are rewarded, and the, the wicked are punished. And and our mind, that kind of makes sense. You, you get what you deserve. But then you flip over one page after you read through the book of Proverbs and you come to the book of Ecclesiastes. And when you read that book, you discover not everyone gets what they deserve. The author, author, the author, the author says the world is very unpredictable. It's not always fair. It, it's hard to comprehend then Is God just and and wise? And then you go to the book of Job. And then everything throws you for a loop. 
I mean, Job is this righteous man experiencing incredible blessings of God, and boom, things change. And I mean, when they change, they change drastically. He loses everything that he's worked for his entire life. I mean, he stands by the grave of ten, all ten of his children. Some of you have experienced that, what it is to lose a child or a grandchild. You know, a pain that is so deep. Unless you've gone through it yourself, it's just hard to even imagine what that's like. And then Job, everything that he put, you know, had worked so hard for all of his wealth, gone, stripped away from him. And then if that wasn't bad enough, his health is taken from him and he's covered in boils they're painful. And then <laughs> friends show up and they point their finger at Job. Job, there's obviously some sin in your life because we know God is a just God and he's wise and he rewards the just. He curses the wicked. He punishes them. So Job, obviously there's something in your life that's causing God to respond to this. Just repent of your sin, Job. Maybe God will be good enough to give you that life back again. And that's what they kept accusing him of because they, in their minds, knew that God has order to his world. It's justness, justice and, and, and fairness. So something you've done has offended God. Yet when you read at the beginning of the book of Job, it says there was no man that walked the earth that honored God more than Job. In fact, God is bragging on Job for his faithfulness. Job is considered to be one of the oldest books in the Bible, so this question about why do bad things happen to good people has been a question that has been asked literally for thousands of years. It's this story that we ask the question, is God fair? Is God just? Why is there bad things happening to good people like Job of all people? And Job is on this emotional roller coaster. One minute he's praising God and then the next minute he's questioning God's goodness and demanding from God an answer to my question. There's a promise that was given to God's people that were going through a real bad time. And they were being good. This is the promise of God. I, I want to read it to you, and we'll come back and visit it. It's found in Isaiah 33, 6. It says, He will be a sure foundation. Who? God. Will be a sure foundation for your times. A rich door of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. This promise was given to a, a good man who was going through a bad time. His name is Hezekiah. And he was the king of Israel, well, the southern part of Israel, the king of Judah. And he's a man that's doing all the right things, all the right way. And he finds himself surrounded by his enemy. And they were way too powerful for Hezekiah to be able to face. And not only is he facing a personal you know, leadership crisis, what do I do, but the nation is facing a crisis. The fate of his people rests in his hands. He, he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. One bad move and they lose it all. One bad decision and they're crushed. And when you discover 
and study the, the life of Hezekiah, you'll discover that he's actually one of the, one of the great kings of Judah. He's not like one of those bad guys. In fact, you know, the nation of Israel had a, kind of had this way of life where there was a, you know, a, a bad king and then a good king and then a bad king and a good, a good king and then a bad and a bad and a bad king and then a good king. It was like an, a roller coaster ride for the nation. And this went on for hundreds of years. But in this particular case, Hezekiah is one of the good ones. He's one of the good guys. And he becomes king when he's 25 years old. Just imagine the, the weight of responsibility as a 25-year-old to lead his nation. And in his very first year of being king, he, he brought the nation back. There was like a revival. They brought them back to God. He tore down all the idols and false god. In fact, the Bible says he led a celebration during Passover that was so extravagant, nothing had been seen like it for 250 years. It's one of the good ones. Let's learn a little bit about this guy. In 2 Kings chapter 18, this is what it says. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following. He, he kept his commands that the Lord had given Moses and the Lord was with him and he was successful in whatever he undertook. Sounds like a good life to me. That's the kind of person I'd want to be. I mean, can you imagine everything that you touch is successful? It's like the Midas touch. Everything you touch turns to gold. Sounds like the model for Christian living. Sounds like a life that should be free from troubles. We learn a little bit more actually about Hezekiah in the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 1 it says, after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and he laid siege to the fortified cities thinking to conquer them for himself. Sennacherib is the dominant world leader of his day, and Assyria is the dominant world empire of its day. And Assyria was in this position of just conquering nation after nation, city after city, one by one by one. And they wouldn't just leave the people in their city once they conquered. No, no, they dragged them out of the city, and they spread them all over the Assyrian empire so they people would lose that national identity. And that was the plan for Judah. Now, often in the Bible, when, when God's people would, would disobey, God would allow their enemies to rise up and, and take them over with the idea that it would turn their hearts back towards God. But that's not this case. This is completely different because they were already worshiping the Lord. They were already following him. They were already lifting his name up. They were already doing all the right things. They hadn't done anything to deserve this, but the Assyrians have surrounded them. Jerusalem was under siege, and they were vastly outnumbered, and there was no hope. Maybe you find yourself in that same situation this morning. You look out, and there just doesn't seem to be any hope. There's no way of getting out of the mess that you find yourself in. 
Hezekiah tried to assure the people of God that God would take care of them. But at the same time that Hezekiah is trying to tell the people, messages are being sent to the people of Judah, and messages and letters are also being sent to Hezekiah. And we actually have a record of the letter that was sent to the people. So while Hezekiah is trying to encourage them, no, no, God will be faithful, God's going to look after us. But when they looked out there, it just looked desperate. And then these letters, these messages start coming to the people. It's recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 18. This is what the king of Assyria says. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit for your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and, and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain, a new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life, not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says... These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Who is them? God's people. These things happened to God's people as an example. What are these things? These are the events that we're just reading and talking about. You know, these things, these events happened to God's people for an example and were written down as warnings for us. For just a minute, I, I want to look at that one area about when things happen in our life and, and God's going to use it, use you, to show the world who He is. In 2 Kings chapter 19, it says, Hezekiah received the letter. What's the letter? The bad news, all the bad news, the messages that are being sent to all of his people. Right? Don't believe Hezekiah. He says, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. All the bad news, he spread it out before him. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubims, you alone are God are over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen, to the words of Sennacherib, the words that have been sent to ridicule the living God. I mean, it's true, Lord. The Assyrian kings, uh, kings have, have laid waste to, their, to the nations and to the lands. They have thrown their gods into fire and destroyed them, for, their, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hand. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand. So that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone are Lord, our God. The first thing I notice here that Hezekiah does, he, he begins to pray. Long before he tries to put a plan together, he, he, he begins to pray. And let me say, prayer is not bringing God to his senses. Lord, I just want to draw this stuff. See what's happening here? Like, come on. No. Prayer is not bringing God to his senses. 
Prayer is bringing us. Now listen to this. It's bringing us to our senses and saying, God, what is the plan that you have blessed? That's what I want to do. You know, in those times when you've experienced deep loss, it's in those times I'm a sure foundation. It's, it's when you've been betrayed, it, it's those times that I'm a sure foundation. When everything is crashing in around you, it's those times that I'm a sure foundation. When you receive some really bad news from the doctor, it's in those times that I'm a sure foundation. When you get that phone call and you receive mess, uh, news that you never wanted or never expected, in those times, I am a sure foundation. When a relationship has been broken in those times, when, when your marriage has fallen apart, it's in those times. I am a sure foundation. It's when you think your ship is coming in, but you discover that it actually sank before it entered the harbor. It's those times. Well, this promise is a promise for those times in your life when you have many more questions than you do answers. This is the promise that you and I can hold on to. That he, God, will be a sure foundation in these times, those times when life does not make sense anymore. So let me ask you a question. Do you find your, your back is against the wall? Do you feel stressed out? Do you feel anxious? Do you find it hard to catch your breath? God says, I can make a way where there seems to be no way. God says, I can be a rich storehouse of deliverance, salvation, knowledge, and wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And when this says the fear of the Lord, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm scared. I, 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 I'm, I'm scared of you, God. No. That is not what it means. Proverbs 9 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what is this fear of the Lord that he's talking about? That's the key to this treasure. This fear is it's a reverence. It's an awe that leads to obedience. It's not just words. <laughs> it actually leads to obedience. Living for His glory. See, when you fear the Lord, you have nothing else to fear. God is your foundation. And a rich storehouse of wisdom and knowledge. You, us, we have a choice. When everything comes down around us, we have a choice. We can say, I'm, I'm not going to compromise. I am, I'm, I'm going to fear the Lord and I'm going to worship Him. Or you can rely on yourself. You can face your enemy on your own. And talk to God. Tell Him what's, what's on your mind. Let Him know, God, I'm frustrated right now. I don't understand any of this. Just let Him know, Lord, it, it's too much. But even though it seems so overwhelming, God, I'm, I'm going to worship you, even though I don't understand what's happening all around me. 
I'm going to worship you. I've done the right things. I'm living right. I'm reading your word. I'm praying. and I'm doing what you want me to do. But despite that, it seems like my world is falling apart, but I'm still going to trust you. And I am not going to lean on my own understanding. Let him know that this morning. Let's bow our heads. Lord, in this moment, in the quietness of it, no doubt there are people here they put on a brave face they've come but they're wrestling with this question why is a good God allowing some bad things to happen to me God I pray that we band together when our brother and sister is struggling I pray we'd come around them remind them oh but remember God is a sure foundation and he's a rich storehouse of wisdom and knowledge and deliverance and salvation. Lord, sometimes you use people with hands and feet to bring the message of God's promise. And so, Lord, I pray that that promise would resonate with each person here this morning. Especially, Lord, for those who are just at this moment struggling with their faith, wondering, does God even care? Or does God even love me anymore? Oh God, we're thankful that you do. You do. And you have not forgotten us. And you are in control. And you are working all things for your glory and for our good, of which we are thankful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.